Welcome to my coaching podcast, Dancing in the Moment, where I chat to people from the world of coaching and psychology about their story, their approach, and their insights about the coaching profession. They're all people I like, respect, and admire for the way they show up in the world. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here today with Polina Neal, who um, is a barefoot graduate and many other things besides. She's a woman I really admire and a woman who has inspired me. And this is the week following um, International Women's Day. And uh, one of the things that Polina does is work in international women's development. Um, I wanted particularly to speak to Polina today because um, I wanted to ask her about her journey from the Barefoot course and beyond. Um, and I'm not going to say any more about that now because I want to uh, bring Polina into the conversation. So welcome, Polina. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. Well, thank you, Kim. I'm delighted to be here, spending cool. time with you as usual. Great. Um, can we begin by um, hearing what you did before you did the Barefoot Coach training program? Sure. I'll try and be brief. Um, I spent a little bit of time working in the private sector in marketing and realized that wasn't really for me. So I decided to go back to school. I was lucky enough to, to get a scholarship to do my master's in, in the UK. So that brought me to the UK and then I decided I wanted to do additional education. So I did my PhD in Aberystwyth, of all places. <laughs> a long way from home. A long way from home, but with some top-notch scholars. So Great. it was wonderful. And at that time, there were a few things that became apparent to me. After I finished my my research and my PhD, I, I knew that I wanted to actually work as a practitioner versus an academic. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had my first role here in London with International Planned Parenthood Federation. And that was back in 1998. So I started working in what we call global health or international development in 1998 okay. um, in sexual and reproductive health. Mm -hmm. And I, in that capacity or in those organizations, I was primarily involved with trying to build management and leadership capacity in, in the organizations around, in the affiliates around the world. So I spent uh, approximately 10 years working with international NGOs, yeah. like International Planned Parenthood Federation, and then I made a switch to the UN, and I spent the next 10 years working at UN, UN AIDS, and about half of that I spent in, in Ethiopia, working on the national AIDS response, and some of that I spent working at headquarters in Geneva and a little bit of time at UNESCO in, in Paris. Um, so I spent a lot of time working in that space, and um, as you can imagine, empowering women is, is a key component in, in achieving successful health outcomes. Um, I just before taking the the barefoot course I I left the UN 
um, started teaching at, on a number of different MBA programs and I, um, I took the barefoot course in 2017. Okay. So that's a little bit, I did take a, I did take a coaching course. I think I mentioned this to you before in France in 2013. Um, but I really, really wanted to, to take the barefoot course as I'd been reading about it for a number of years in psychology, <laughs> <laughs> a magazine that I've been reading for 20 plus years. Um, so that, that's more or less what I did before I started coaching journey thank you what what i really observe listening to you is how modest you are i know how modest you are but in a space of a few minutes you went from a job in marketing that you didn't really like that much to a, you know, a master's a phd working with the un working for unesco you know they're like amazing achievements so before we move on How did you leap from a marketing job that wasn't for you to working in international women's development particularly? Well, when I finished, I I did a business degree and, and that's what took me to my first job, which I'm very grateful for because it actually was a great opportunity to highlight what I didn't like. And, and for me, what happened is I was in a, by all accounts, a quote-unquote great job, but it had no meaning for me. And as a very passionate person and with a strong sense of social justice, I just wasn't able to make the kind of contribution that I wanted to make. Mm. So I felt like I had to try and find a way to, to do that, to, yeah. to live authentically. So that's what um, going back to school and getting additional education was, I guess, a bridge in that direction. Yeah. Um, and when I was doing my PhD, I was actually researching the 1994 Conference on Population and Development, International Conference on Population and Development, and the role of the, the Holy See, the Vatican in that, and how that impacts women's reproductive mm. options. Mm. Um, and so I became interested in in particularly interested in women's rights and women's rights to sexual and reproductive health during that time. And that led me to International Planned Parenthood Federation, which was a big actor at this conference in 1994. Thank you. I love to see that kind of golden thread of education and development and learning for you and for you personally and for you to give that to others. It's it's clear thread through your career. So um, one of the reasons that I wanted to speak to you about becoming a coach is because I think you know that I'm really passionately committed to coaching as a way mm. of um, people having more meaningful conversations around the world and making the world a brighter and better place through coaching Um, and I've been training coaches for 20 years now Um, but I'm also really passionately committed to those people who come on the training course being able to go out and actually make a business whatever that business is whatever the extent of the business they want to create I really want to support them to make that dream come true for themselves and over the years I've seen 
people struggle. <laughs> I've seen people leave the coach training program, you know, fueled with passion and excitement, um, equipped with some wonderful new bits of psychology, tools and techniques that they have practised and experienced on themselves, wanting to go out there and do it. And then finding that the business of starting a business (laughs) is a whole other thing. And getting clients and getting credibility and and getting a niche and... um, I know after you left the program, you contacted me and asked me to coach you. Yes, on, I did. On all that, <laughs> yes. and I and I did, on, on and off between London and Paris. Yes, uh, and I also shared the struggle you had to get going, and at times felt like I'd failed you. Um, just honestly I felt like that at times because I saw all your brilliance and all your passion and uh, love for this work and you still it still wasn't happening for you Mm -hmm. I thought it would be valuable (laughs) to share that story to some of with some of the people who are listening to this who might find themselves in a similar situation so tell me what happened after you left the course well (laughs) thank you for that um and yes I I I was it it took me a while as I told you to reach out to you I felt you know there's a part of me that felt oh gosh you know Kim's the the founder and the CEO um you know does she still coach and does she coach people like me starting you know from the bottom (laughs) so as I told you it was uh, it was hard for me to reach out in the beginning, but I'm glad I did because it was, like you said, and I love the distinction you made, it was, you know, coaching and mentoring and counseling and there's <laughs> so many things wrapped up that were so instrumental. Um, and I just, you know, I just want to say I never felt for a second let down. I always felt very supported by by you and our conversations. Um, but it was a struggle, and you did see it, <laughs> the yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think what you said earlier, which is so key, is that, you know, people come on this course, the Barefoot course, and for me, I find, you know, my, I know everyone's journey is unique, but for me, the course was transformative. I'm not saying that as a plug, mm-hmm. it just was transformative. The The self-learning, the reflection the opening of spaces on so many different levels. Um, And I left feeling bigger and more open and and very excited, as you said. And then I think what happens is, and and we certainly did talk about this in the course, but I think that for me, I'm not sure if I wasn't prepared, but the the reality sets in. Okay, now I want to be a coach. And I want to have my business or I want to have a practice or I want to make a living, whatever it is. In my case, I wanted to make a living from it. And you have all this enthusiasm, but no clients. So all of a sudden, as you said, you have to go from being in this almost euphoric place of this amazing learning and transformation that one has done to the concrete reality of you have a business now to to build, Mm -hmm. which means 
a whole sort, you know, many, many different things. And, you know, I I didn't have many of the skills. Um, So I think that there's a a very steep learning curve in terms of building the business. So for me, you know, trying to find clients and and know how to do that was was challenging. Um, one of the things that I that I did that was very helpful was um, I actually attended the ICF um, business development series in 2018. And that's a very, you know, I would say it's a relatively inexpensive um, intervention. It's online. But it gave you almost like a toolkit um, of, of different things that you should be considering, everything from, you know, how to use your network to personal branding to creating a website, you know, things that we had started to touch on in the course, but, you know, this has a different purpose and gave sure. more detail. So that was very helpful. Um, what I did is, you know, I tried to follow that, you know, make sure my LinkedIn profile is right and make sure I'm, you know, posting content, got a website, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean the clients no. will come, as you know. Yeah. I also, you know, did a lot of reaching out to my network, and um, I've always I I value relationships very highly. Mm. So I I never I don't necessarily use the word networking. I have relationships that I called upon. Um, and what was interesting is that what I was finding is that, you know, some people who I thought would be natural fits to help me didn't, couldn't, wouldn't. And then on the other hand, people who I reached out to who I might not have spoken to in years or knew people would offer to help or help in ways that was such a proof of generosity it was humbling so you know I think for me what was interesting there is that uh, it was very I think it was for me hard to understand the network dynamics sure Um, sure I I mean I remember talking to you over those months years yeah it was a good two years yeah yeah Um, and I think um, geography played its part Mm -hmm. because you live in Paris Mm -hmm. you had come from Ethiopia to Paris Mm -hmm. so you didn't really have a network in Paris absolutely um and also uh I think that there's probably a slightly different take on coaching in France than Mm -hmm. in the UK where you'd trained I feel like one of the one of the things that started to change positively for you was uh, you, you using Skype for your coaching. Mm-hmm. Would yes. that be yes, the case? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The big, so for me, the, I think the biggest change, and so you had, you had told us and you had told me <laughs> that it takes between 18 months and 24 months to, yeah. to get the business going. And I, you know, I, I had hoped when you had first, put that statistic out there that I would be on the, uh, you know, on the 18 month side, but I, you know, I wasn't. What was interesting for me is that I felt like I was doing everything that I quote unquote should, Mm -hmm. and it still wasn't working. And even you and I talked about it and it wasn't like there were boxes left unticked. No. Um, 
What changed significantly for me was when I had an internal mind shift. And it was after, uh, it was actually after um, a meeting that I had <coughs> attended and I had listened to myself telling my story and I had heard, I seen the people's faces around the table look at me with pity. Mm. And it wasn't condescension, but there was genuine pity. And, and I left thinking, wow, this is just not what I want to have happen. This isn't what I want to be. This isn't okay. And I think that what happened for me is whilst I, you know, I, I would still to this day say I, I was working very hard for two years to get my business up, up and running. I would agree okay. from what I saw. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. Yeah. But I, I look at it and I wasn't as fierce and maybe hungry. I just, I, the analogy I use is I went back to my 15 year old self, that mm. scrappy self of, of a 15 year old who was running around to different businesses during the summer asking if I could do work for them to make money. Yeah. And there was just something about um, that kind of tenacity that I think maybe I hadn't brought. I thought I was bringing it. Yeah. And I feel that there's something changed when I just decided that I wasn't going to take no for an answer anymore. I wasn't prepared to take no. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> and I also... You know, it it wasn't about being rude, but if somebody was going to, you know, for example, not close down a conversation, I maybe was going to ask why or how could we continue this conversation. And so in a way, I think I I just reconnected with an earlier self that was much more hungry. Mm. Um, and that started that started unlocking different opportunities and and the irony is and you and I've talked about this is that you know I had a good two years a little over two years where I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and I think I had three clients over two and a half years yeah and then it seemed like overnight I then had you know multiple contracts so (laughs) so I literally it felt like this isn't how it was but it felt like I went from having no work to a lot of work overnight but the reality is there was a lot of blood sweat and tears that went Uh, on before yeah and and I'm wondering how many of those multiple contracts um had you been in touch with in the preceding 18 months to 24 months one for example one of them had you know I had been in contact with over you know for the full two years maybe even a little bit longer um another one had been oh I'd say a year another one you know yeah there was a time it 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 just felt like nothing was happening yeah so one of the things that I always say to people and I think you have to live it to know it is that Everything you do in those early stages is an investment and it doesn't always feel like an investment. It feels like another waste of time. But very often those things come back and when you're not used to self-employment and negotiating with 
usually larger companies than your own mm-hmm. I think you don't realize how long the lead-in time is for decision making that there are very few people who just go right yeah come in tomorrow absolutely quite often they'll remember you they'll keep your details mm-hmm. and then when the moment's right they'll come back to you again exactly. but it's it's so hard to know because there's no evidence of that is there when you're absolutely not meeting people no uh i you know i was doing everything from intervening at workshops and conferences to meeting people um and and like you said you can easily fall into that trap thinking oh gosh it's another thing i did that didn't bring any results yeah yeah and to this day, I don't, I mean, with one of them, I do know that there was a direct relationship, but with some of the others, I actually don't know what played a role in getting those contracts or not, but I'd never want to go back and take the chance. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I just, you know, I think it's important that, I guess, like you say, that you recognize that a lot of this work that you do is building towards something and you view it as an investment. And and in an ideal world, I guess people would have some kind of financial buffer or yes. still have a part time job, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, this is a really horrible question to ask you, but That's for the okay. sake of people who are <laughs> listening to this, who wants to know when's it going to happen for me? Like, what would you, what advice would you give? anyone who's just left a coach training course they haven't been self-employed before mm-hmm. that are really keen to get going what, what what are your kind of top tips top tips okay so the first thing i would say is that regardless of how you feel about business development whether you like it you don't you you're opposed to it you have some moral objection you need to set that aside however you do it whether you reframe it or whatever you can't outsource that there's many things you (laughs) can outsource but not that that's so so true you have to have you have to develop your business no one's going to do it for you or to the extent that you will so that's something you need to invest in getting good at if you don't have the tools then you know get some there's online courses you can take there's all sorts of things you can do um the other thing is is you know clearly it's always easier to start from that place of familiarity so you know use your network um that means not just, I think it also means thinking more broadly. Don't just, you know, make a map of who you know or sure. go through your LinkedIn and look at, don't just go to the top 15 people you always liaise with. Some of my best contacts and advice and support came from people who I, who I worked with 10, 12, 15 years ago and they were happy to help. So, you know, use a, have a holistic view of your network. Mm-hmm. I think the other big top tip for me, and I, I really do want to specify that this is coming, you know, this is, this speaks to my situation, but I believe that coaching is a very intimate relationship. So for me, social media, including my website, has always been a support. It's almost like a the business card. Sure. It's not, I've never, I didn't create my website to necessarily get clients. It was for them to know a bit about me and my services. So I think that, you know, again, it depends on your approach. But for me, at a certain point, social media can be 
a black hole. It can be uh, overwhelming. Uh. And I had to set limits. As a one-woman show, I simply didn't have the time to do the same things, for example, that maybe Barefoot does. Sure. You know, and... And, and Barefoot plays. Exactly. Uh, barefoot has have... a team member who does that. Exactly. Um, and... Um, uh, the other thing that I think is that in in a sort of perverse kind of way, uh, a lot of sole traders spend hours and hours and hours and hours sort of kind of writing blogs, writing posts on yes. social media, honing, really putting out beautiful stuff. But actually without the reach, who's seeing it? Uh, mm-hmm. whereas bigger companies are doing something kind of quick and dirty exactly. and thousands of people are seeing it in one go. So uh, as it, obviously we are not social media influencers and there are people who make it work, but I think what I'm hearing you say is find the medium that works for you. And for exactly. you, Polina, it's kind of building it's, personal relationships. Yes, yeah, it's going to be one person at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one for me is really having to set limits otherwise you can become consumed with getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm really also fascinated by that moment when you were talking <laughs> and looked at people's faces and you recovered your 15-year-old sort of tenacity. Um how do you how can people know you know how hungry they are is that the irony is is that I you know as you and I both know I already felt like I was hungry I already felt like I was doing everything and I there was just this moment where I I didn't like what I heard coming out of my mouth I was telling the same story again it didn't seem particularly proactive or useful and then I think what was even more powerful were the looks that I got from mm. other people and you know there was there was nothing ill intended it was just this idea of like oh my gosh that poor woman and and thinking that's not who I am I'm you know I'm not a victim I'm not oh. that's this is the antithesis of what I stand for and and then that just took me back to a place of the other thing too i think maybe you know i hate to say this but i wonder if age has something to do with it i mean i had i was in my 50s i had already you know i had a i had had a very successful career and i think that whilst i thought i was working hard maybe i had a sense of entitlement that i hadn't i hadn't owned or accepted and thinking gosh this shouldn't you know shouldn't be so hard or maybe it should be easier I'm not sure, but there's something no. that something I, that mm. forced me into a a different place. Yeah, I'm I'm not at all sure about that because I don't. I I see you as uh, I don't somebody who's always curious and always willing to learn and shift and change and put yourself in in positions of discomfort if necessary to acquire new skills however I do think there's a a challenge to one's identity um, Mm -hmm. and a number of people are retraining as coaches or as Mm -hmm. other things in their 40s 50s even 60s -hmm. 
come with quite an established identity of a successful person. I'm right, doing air quotes right. as I'm saying yeah. that. People have had a degree of authority, success, yes. influence. And then it's tough to find yourself, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. having a group of people looking at you, pitying that I you <laughs> That's I guess that's what you, I mean, I think you encapsulated it. I think that it was very much that sense of, you know, maybe I had come from a place where I had a certain amount of, of privilege and success and uh, all the accoutrements of of having a good job and then starting over and I think that sometimes that starting over that calls into question our identity and how we see ourselves is always a tremendous place of discomfort yeah yeah the other thing that's interesting is we talk on our program about when change happens and one and we talk about several factors that bring about transformational change and one of them is a disorienting dilemma sometimes we need that moment to be the catalyst to change and it sounds like that moment was your disorienting dilemma your state of puzzlement your moment where you went no you know no more enough already exactly yeah yeah. So happy ending. Happy, happy ending. ending because <laughs> once it started happening for you, it really started happening it, for you. Yes. So tell me and anyone <laughs> listening, give give me a snapshot of all the things that are going on now. Okay. So um, the coaching picked up um, exponentially because I got associate work. Um, I'm coaching on a a women's leadership program, which is very near and dear to my heart. And I'm also coaching on an executive management program, both associate pieces of work. So that's absolutely wonderful. And it's in the space I want to be in the context and also in in, uh, international development. So that's beautiful for me. Um, I'm also doing mentoring and that's something that I've been doing for a very long time but I'm running a program in in six francophone African countries with young leaders so that's beautiful as well I get to do mentoring and and that's also very important and near and dear to my heart and you wrote that program and during those 18 to 24 months, I remember. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, it was piloted, I think when we started, it was piloted in India, and then I, I, I've transferred it into to Francophone Africa. And so that's great. And that's actually being expanded, so into more countries in Francophone Africa. So I also am doing training and teaching at the same time. And, and I guess this is something that I think is great as well is that I feel like what I've got to do is now leverage my strengths and my passions and where I feel that I add value and roll them into my practice and my service offering so that I'm I'm showing up in a way that I feel conveys the passion and enthusiasm that I have and that I can bring yeah yeah and what I'm hearing is that it's not all coaching either no no, it's not and I think it's pretty well documented now that uh, most coaches 
yeah. provide a mix of coaching, mentoring, consulting, mm-hmm. exactly. training, workshops, programs. They're all in the same yes. space, but the, the income stream is not exclusively from one-to-one coaching exactly. for a lot of coaches at least. I think it would be, absolutely. And I would just add, certainly from where I work, it would be very difficult to earn all my income just from coaching. Yeah. Um, I think full stop, I can, unless you're coaching high wealth individuals, Mm -hmm. it is, I think, quite difficult to make your sole income stream coaching, Um, just coaching. Uh, And, and yeah, one thing feeds another, doesn't it? Exactly. If you run a workshop, maybe you coach the participants on the workshop if you coach someone perhaps they end up coming to one of your programs exactly so it's beautiful the way that we can you know put it for me it's all under the umbrella of of leadership development yeah yeah um with a focus on women but it's all about you know people leading and having you know being able to lead from any level from wherever you are that's lovely. Is that on your website? It isn't. I don't think. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't. Being able to lead from any level wherever you are, that sounds great to yeah. me. But yeah. it should, that's how it should be, I think. A lovely normative way we can aspire to to be. Yeah. So now... If you were to go back to that group mm. of people and tell them where you are, what looks would you see on their faces? Oh, I think that they would be delighted for me. I I have no doubt that they would be delighted, happy. I, I, I would hear laughter. <laughs> I would hear laughter. I know that. And it would be happy. Yeah. Uh, happy laughter. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm delighted for you, truly delighted for you. And I'm delighted for all the women and men whose you know, lives you are reaching. You sent me a beautiful photograph of uh, one of your mentoring sessions in, was that in? Dakar. Dakar yes. last week. Yes. And I just thought how lucky, how fortunate are those young girls and young women to be learning from you and to have this opportunity and how wonderful for you that you have married together all your previous experience with your new coaching skill um thank you thank you i'm the lucky one but thank you (laughs) thank you